0: I think it's just a, a great thing to speak about family, be reminded about family. We all come from a family. Um, so I've spent a few weeks talking about marriage, and uh, a couple of weeks now we are talking about family. Eugene's going to be with us next Sunday, and then we'll wrap this up. And then I'm going to end the, uh, the season, ministry season off this year, 23. And, and remember, I've encouraged you since the beginning of this year that this would be a year of spiritual growth. That this year would be a year where you turn around and look back and say, you know what, this year I have grown. That's still my prayer. So we're going to spend some time talking about uh, salvation again, three weeks on that. We're going to talk about big words like uh, justification, sanctification, glorification. So um, I think those are are big words, but we need to understand what that's all about. And then I think as we head in towards Christmas, I'm actually going to talk about um, the afterlife. What happens when, when when your time here on earth is done? And uh, um, what's, what's the plan going forward? So we, we're going we're gonna to talk about that. But today we're talking about family. Last week I spoke about forging godly character in the lives of our children and how we as parents can cooperate with God in doing that. And so what I want to talk about this morning is uh, is about fostering health in our families, right? Fostering a um, nourishment. Uh, Yeah, encouraging and nurturing a healthy family. What do we need to do to foster healthy dynamics within our our families? So I'm going to work through this morning 10 questions which speak to the characteristics of healthy family dynamics. And maybe this morning we can all reflect on where our families are strong and then thank God for that and keep doing exactly the same thing that we're doing Or if I bring up some stuff this morning that might have happened or is happening in your family uh, and God just prompts you through his spirit, then I want to encourage you to take some time to think about that, reflect on that, and pray how, with God's help, you and your family can get back on track. Is that a deal? Okay, all right. So I'm going to start out with this question this morning. Do you know what the heart condition of your family is? Do you know what the heart condition of your family is? And by that, I mean, what is going on in the inner world of the people that God has surrounded you with called family? What's going on in the inside? We know that families are dynamic. Yeah, Uh, Things change. Things shift around. I mean, a family can be healthy for a time and then something happens and it, it gets messy. Sometimes things are in a mess in a family and then something happens and it begins to turn around and that family starts getting stronger and stronger. So families are dynamic. But whether your family is a healthy family right now or if things are messy right now or if you're in an in-between state, are we as parents, as grandparents and as children, are we aware of what's going on in the lives of the people who are closest to us, the people who we call family? Before we get into answering that, let's pray. Thank you, God, for every person who's in this place this morning. We're all part of a family, Lord, every one of us. In some shape or form, we are part of family. We are your family this morning. And so I just pray, God, that in this whole idea, you are the one who came up with this thing, Lord, this idea of family. And so this morning, I just pray that, that God, we as a church would grow strong that we in our families would grow strong, that we would be a light to the world around us. Because God, we look out the door, we look out the window, and we see families falling apart. We see family dynamics in very bad places. We see the mess. We see the separation. We see the anxiety. We see the brokenness around us. And so, Father, you have called us to be a light to a very dark world. May the people out there, look at us. May they look at this church community and go, I want my family to be like one of those families. So God, I just pray that you would move in the power of your spirit this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so some of you this morning are not married yet and you don't have children. Um, Some of you have been there and done that, your grandparents already. Uh, And some of you are parenting right now. Some of you uh, are not. But I think that we can all... Uh, follow along with this message because we can all assess the health of our families right now, uh, uh, the families that we're still a part of, or we can assess the health of the families that we have come out of, right? We've all have some kind of connection to family. So I want to just look at this. How can we assess the heart condition of our families? What can we do to foster healthy family dynamics? So here's my first question here. Does everyone in your family feel treasured? Does everyone in your family feel treasured? Is there treasuring going on in your family? And and I think this is an important question when it comes to fostering healthy family dynamics. Because a family is the only group in society that I know of that demonstrates and possesses and implements an irrational commitment to the well-being of every single one of its family members. I mean, the members in that family, there's just like an irrational commitment to, to those people, especially when a family is functioning in the right way, right? There's just like, you know, I'm going to go the, to the nth degree to do what I can to make sure that, you, that everything's okay, right? That, that you're treasured. So, you know, in that, that kind of family, a mother, a father, you know, mom, dad, the children, everyone is going to feel treasured. And if I, if I just break that apart a little bit, that idea of feeling treasured, what I'm saying is that there's a huge amount of affection going on in that family. There's approval, there's, there's affirmation going on in the family. So that plays out, right? That plays out in the family. There are acts of kindness between members of the family, there are loving words that get spoken in that family, there are loving embraces, loving conversations. Loving warnings and boundaries, right? Loving acts of support—that's what I'm talking about. And I want to be really clear because I'm not talking about the kind of love that we sometimes see happening. You know, sometimes you get this kind of false syrupy kind of love happening in families where it's almost trying to create dependency or it's controlling, and so the family members feel weak or vulnerable or or trapped because it's it's just—it's not—it's not right. Or I'm also not talking about a performance-based or an achievement-based kind of love, you know, because sometimes people in families are like that. They feel like they've got to they've got to earn your love, and that is exhausting, to to members of the family who are trying to earn your love all the time. They, you know, they end up feeling like they never can. So what I'm talking about here, when it comes to the people in your family feeling treasured, I'm talking about a healthy kind of life-giving love, which is displayed through passion. And, and it's done regularly. And, and they might even, you know, when it comes to that feeling treasured, there might even be like a playful irrationality to it. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I, I know parents who have like secret handshakes that nobody, nobody else outside of that family would know because that's like a family thing. That's like, I know, I'm, I, I'm, 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 I'm part of the inner circle here. You're not. This is something about our family. And it, and, and it gives that feeling like, yeah, I'm part of this. You know, um, people come up with special whistles, uh, unique ways to hug each other, all these kinds of things. You know, if I think of my own family, I don't know when my wife Debbie started doing this, but she came up with this little whistle thing. It's, it's a unique whistle. And so, you know, we all know that when that whistle happens, she's, you know, she's like trying to get the brood together, you know? It's like that whistle. It's like, how does, how does it go? <laughs> I don't I can't even do it, but it's like... You know, she wants to get our attention and she, you know, she, she, dinner's ready. And so the whistle, we hear the whistle, you know? And she's done that for years. And, and, and I mean, in my home, it's three males and one female. So, you know, it's like she whistles and we're just like a bunch of puppies, like, you know, bounding along too, you know? <laughs> and it's something special about our family, you know? I don't know. Do you understand what I'm talking about? I, I, have, a, I have a little mantra that I often use. Um, I'll look at Debbie or Adam or Jude, and I'll I'll say to them, you know, I do this every so often. I say, "Have I told you today?" And they're like, "Nah." And most of the times they go, "Nah, you haven't told me." And I'll go, "I love you. I love you." It's it's that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about does everybody feel treasured? Um, that's my point. And when that kind of thing is happening in your family, and you know what you do, when you're doing that, it becomes the foundation for something good, f- for everything else in the family to be built on. And maybe, I don't know, maybe you're sitting here thinking right now, well, yeah, Andrew, that's good, good for you, mate. I'm, I'm not like that. You know, I, that didn't happen in the family that I grew up in. I'd feel awkward doing something like that. You know, I, just, I can't do that kind of thing. Here's what I want you to know. Here's the thing about knowing Jesus. Every one of us can take what has been given to us in a very broken way and we can have that covered at the cross. God can do something with that. God can turn that around. God can, God can uh, bring wholeness to that. God can take away all of that what was wrong and bring good. You can have that covered at the cross through the work of the cross through Jesus in your life. And so you can have in any, every day, every single day, you can just have a fresh infilling and, and anointing of God. In your life, and then you can bring that into your family. You can bring that into your family. You don't have to sit there and say, Well, that's, that's, that's not me. If you're open and if you surrender yourself, God can do that. And, and, and listen, this is in spe- especially important for fathers, it's especially important for dads when it comes to displaying affection and love. Because so many dads, I've come across many of them, they just, I'm, I'm not, I, don't, I don't do that. I'm not that way you need to become that way, you need to become that way, you just do, it's not enough to have feelings just on the inside, you actually have to say the words, you have to say the words, and it's not en- It's not enough just to say the words once or twice, those words need-, need to flow again and again and again with regularity, so that the people in your family hear you, and you hear those words, love you mom, love you dad, love you, love you, I don't know if that's happening, is that happening, because That treasuring thing needs to get going in our families because it really, really matters. So does everyone in your family feel treasured? Here's the second thing I think we need to have going on in our families. Communication. Is there communication, real communication in your family? Now, good communication shouldn't be a surprise to any of us here this morning. But here's the heart of it. Here's what I'm talking about where there's real communication going on in your family. It's when a mother and a father can speak to each other openly and vulnerably. It's, it's where a mom and a dad can listen to each other lovingly. It's where a mom and a dad can say difficult things to each other in gracious ways. It's where they can disagree with each other without shouting each other at each other, without screaming, without slamming the door and sobbing, right? That's the kind of communication that I'm talking about here, where a mother and a father, a mom and a dad, can resolve conflict through gracious and truthful communication patterns. Because if that's going on between the two of you, then there's a high likelihood that those values will operate in the rest of the relationships in the family. When that kind of communication is going on, it bodes well for the family, because it means that the family can talk. It means that the family can process. People can come home at the end of the day and they can sit down at the table and they can tell each other about what's going on, even when, that, when it's difficult, even when it's sticky stuff. It can happen if communication is modeled well and a family works on it. Communication is really, really, really big. And if you've come out of a family that had bad communication, where there wasn't that kind of stuff going on, You've got to find ways to work on improving what's going on in your family. Don't let the same thing repeat itself. Work on ways, speak with the Lord, wait on the Lord, to find ways to improve that family communication. I'm going to use Debbie and I as an example quite a bit this morning because it's the only, example, it's the only experience that I have. So I'm, I'm no fantastic person. I'm a long way from perfect. I mean, I'm 99.9% perfect, but I'm, I'm still not there. Anyway, so I'm going to use us as an example, but, but um, Debbie and I have worked really hard in our family since the beginning to make sure that we have good communication going on. And, and we don't, we don't, we're not always successful, but we've worked at it. Since the very beginning, before we even had children, we determined that we would sit down every single night at the table, that we would eat together as a family. That was, that's something that was drilled into our children. We decided we would do that. If somebody was going to be out for the evening, then the rest of the family would sit down at the table, not in front of the TV, not on the couch, not food all over the place watching some silly sitcom. That was not going to happen in our family, right? So the TV is off. The phones get put aside because what we felt was that was our talking time. That was the time that, that we wanted to talk. That was the time where we wanted to interact with our sons. How was your day? That's what, that's what it was. It was like, how, it was, your, how was your day time? And, and we've, we've built that into the lives of our children when our little boys were little. And when they grew, and, they, and then they became teenagers. And now they're young men. You know, adults, Adulthood is ahead of them. But I'm telling you, it's, it's been worthwhile even through the struggles. Especially the teenage years. I just don't know. I never did this. But my boys, when there was this period of time where, you know, you, you want to have the communication. And all you get in return is a grunt. I never did this. And, uh, you know, we'd ask those questions. How was school today? And it was this one word answer, this one word answer that just was in our family. Fine. How was the exam? Fine. How was your school trip? Fine. How's your life? Fine. I mean, we're (laughs) we're really glad to be through that, even though we know that they've still got a few years left of the development of their prefrontal cortexes. But <laughs> communication is important, isn't it? Communication is important. And, and as families, you've got to figure out where th- when that kind of stuff can happen in your family. If it's sitting down at the dinner table, then, then that's what you do. If it's before bedtime, if it's you know on a Saturday morning, whenever it is, you need to be making time where you're actually communicating and finding out what's going on in the inner world of those who are closest to you. So important. You know why communication is important? It's because a family that talks together is usually going to stay together. Here's the third question on fostering a healthy family. Do you affirm the uniqueness of everyone in the family? Do you affirm the uniqueness of everyone in the family? Because we're all different, aren't we? I mean, we all have different personality traits and characters. I can see a few nods. I think God just displays a sense of humor sometimes when he puts certain people into families, husbands and wives and children. You know, they're all very different. I think God like, looks down and goes, let's see how this plays out because you know? <laughs> we're not all the same. We want to make them the same, but we're not. You know? In our family, you know, I remember through the years when, we, when the boys were growing up, you'd, you'd go out for a meal. We couldn't really go out to a meal at a restaurant. Everybody wanted, you know, you, you, you had to be careful about what kind of restaurant you went to. You'd, Adam wanted pasta, Jude would have ribs, Debbie wanted nutrition, I want it cheap. So it was just like, well, you know, what do you what do? do? This is like God puts all these people in a family. Uh, you know If we sit down to watch TV, Jude wants to watch soccer, Adam wants to watch golf, Debbie wants to watch some home channel. I want to watch the news or something. We're all very different. But yet the scriptures tell us that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, fearfully and wonderfully made. There are no accidents. No one is in your family by mistake. Even if you've been adopted into that family, you are not there by mistake. Even though they may be unique, and sometimes it can be a little edgy because of their uniqueness. They're there because God's put them there. God makes it clear in the Bible that he treasures the uniqueness of every single one of his creations, of his children. And so in a family... We need to affirm that uniqueness. There should never be partiality going on in a family. Because sometimes that's what happens. A son or a daughter might have a similar kind of interest or a similar character to the mother or the father. and 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 then there's special attention placed on that child. You need to be careful when that's happening because partiality can bring problems. I think one of the best examples is Joseph and his brothers. His father was partial towards him. He gave him a special coat. He treated him differently to his other brothers. And what did the other brothers do? They wanted to take the dude down. I mean, they did take him out. They put him in a thing, and they were about to kill him, and then some guys came along with camels, and they sold him off, and that was that. But God wasn't finished with his story. But it's a great example of, of of, of that kind of partiality. So we've got to affirm the uniqueness of everyone. There shouldn't be any pairing off, you know, like, it's just them, it's just them, you know. We shouldn't be having that in our families. The goal is not to churn out children who are just like you. You've got to encourage that and and affirm them in the way God has made them. That's the goal, to affirm the uniqueness of everyone in the family, to worship the God who made that unique character, and to encourage those unique characters in your family to live out their full potential before God. So affirming the uniqueness. Is another quality of a well-functioning family. And this is an important one. Feeling safe. Does everyone in your family feel safe? Do they feel safe? And what I'm talking about here is a family who promises that they will never abuse, shame, control, or intimidate each other. These are families who decide that there are certain things that are not gonna happen in our family. You know, in my opinion, many of the most deeply wounded people that are walking around on our planet today are not those who've had a few bad moments, you know, mocked, jeered at, robbed, cheated on. Those are, those are not nice things to happen to anyone. They're terrible, but I don't think anything can compare to the soul damage that is done to children who are looking to their parents for love or for nurture or affirmation or for security and instead receive some, com- some kind of horrible abuse. When a child is vulnerable and is yearning for em- emotional affirmation and support and they're looking to their mother or their father, they're looking to their mom or their dad and instead they get a look of disgust, the rolling of the eyes as if to say, you stupid kid. When a child is yearning for tender words and affirming phrases from his mom or her dad and and instead gets raged at, gets screamed at, gets a slap across the face, gets a fist to the jaw, gets smacked to the ground. Let me ask you this morning, what do you think that does to the soul and the psyche of a child? What do you think it does? And folk, I've got to be so clear here this morning. I just want to make this really clear in no uncertain terms. Physical abuse, where you lift a fist and and, and there's violence and blood might get spilled between two parents, two spouses, or a parent and a child, that is never right. It should not be something that happens in any family, and especially in a church like this, especially in the household of God, it should never happen. I'm telling you now, as the pastor of this church, if something like that happens, and there's no genuine, repeal, genuine repentance, and I'm not talking about a few tears and saying sorry, I'm talking about a real turnaround. Turnaround. That will be the moment that I and the elders ask you to get out of this church. We will disfellowship you from this church. Too often we are saying our doors are open to everyone, and they are. But I'm telling you, when you decide to come into the church of God, the family, the community of God, we must make no mistakes. We should never cheapen the grace that's been given to us. I think that's something that we really, really need to get into our hearts. And I don't even know that I ne- even need to mention something like this, but it happens in this world. When a child is just discovering who they are, the mysteries of their own sexuality, and there's that fear and wonder going on, and a parent appears at the end of the bed in the middle of the night with, a, with an agenda that makes the whole of heaven shriek, that should never ever, ever, ever happen. I think when it comes to soul-shattering, abusive parents are the hands-down winners. Healthy families will not let that kind of garbage into their family. Obviously, there are times when you've got to have some tough love. There There are times where there's got to be some boundaries. But all your child should know from you is love. They should know that where that's coming from is out of a place of love. And so we've got to build families that feel safe. Your children will misbehave, but they need to know that they're not going to get a fist in the face. If somebody steps out of line, they need to know that they're going to get disciplined, but they're not going to get shamed. If someone's broken a rule, yeah, they're going to get the talk. You're going to sit down and have that chat with them. And when they're young, kind of like under the age of 12 and they haven't reached teenage yet, yes. The Bible says the rod of correction has a seat of correction. So there are times where you've got to maybe give them a, a smack on the bottom. But I also want to make it really clear that, if, if, that gets, if it gets to that place, then when you do that, it needs to be done in a proper manner. It needs to be done out of a place of love and calm. Not out of anger and fury. It needs to be done privately where you walk, take them aside and say, we need, this is the result of, of that action. Not walking down a shopping aisle and, no. Families decide this together. Is this going to be a, a safe place? The next is this. Does your family have a common faith? I, 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 I can't tell you how important this is. I think it, it's so helpful to have a common faith. And the Bible teaches this from cover to cover, but I'm just going to go to one passage of Scripture here this morning because I think it's so relevant to families. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 5, 7, and 9. Uh, the Bible tells us to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength. Love the Lord your God. Jesus added one. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love the Lord your God. Love the Lord your God with all that you are. And then in verse 7, the writer says, Impress these values on your children's heart." So the scripture is saying, love God with everything, with all of who you are. And then it says, now impress that into your children's life. Feed that into your child's life. Talk about these things when you're sitting at home, when you're walking along the road, when you're driving your car, when you lie down at night, when you rise up in the morning. Impress these values into the lives of your children. And then he says, paint them on the doorposts of your home. Get some scripture up in your home. We've got a psalm in our kitchen, Psalm 37. It's one of Debbie's favorite psalms. And what she did is she had it printed out, fancy fancy, fancy deal. And then she had it made and we had it framed. And it's sitting there in our kitchen. I read it every day about doing good in the land because then God's going to bless me. It's a beautiful passage of scripture, that psalm. and And, and I love it. But it's painting it on the door frames of our homes. The Jewish folk would have little scrolls of prayers that they'd put into a, a, I can't remember what the word is, and they would actually stick it to their door frames. They still do it today to bring the blessing of God. But if you've got that kind of stuff going on in in your home, you're just going to be affirming it all the time, affirming it all the time. So so, so the writer's saying, get it in, get it out there. Impress these values in your children's life because when God is at the center of a family, things will be different. When when you're talking about God in your family, when he's part of the conversation, when he's part of your family system, when he's part of the the way you operate, the modus operandi of a family, then things are going to be done his way. Because when God's at the center of a family, his love is going to fill the heart of every family member and that love is, is going to seep through and it's going to increase every family member's capacity to love. When you're filled with the love of God, when God's at the center, His direction is going to guide that family into making good decisions. The Holy Spirit's going to lead you into the, in your decision making as a family. The wisdom of God, when God's at the center of a family, His wisdom is going to work in The life of each member of that family. And you know what? When wisdom's in operation in a family, you know what it keeps away? Foolishness. Folly. His joy. When God's at the center of a family, his joy is going to raise the spirit of that family so it doesn't fall apart. When God's at the center of a family, his strength is going to be tapped by every member of that family because they're going to know when I'm going through a rough patch that the Lord, my God, is my strength. That I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When God's at the center, it makes all the difference in the world. When God's actually in first place in the life of the family. And you know, parents, we have the choice of how it's going to be in our families. God has given parents the responsibility for pointing their children to the source of truth. Him. Him right? Father, Son and Spirit. We have that responsibility and you know when parents don't take that responsibility it should not come as any surprise if your children decide to do exactly as they please. And the sad thing is that very often brings moral dilemmas into the family. Family stability comes from having God at the center of your family. Here's something else that's quite important. Respect for others. Is there respect for others in your family? You know, the way you lead your family um, will teach your children on whether or not they're going to respect other people. And, and, And this is quite an important deal. This is something that children are not being taught today. Respect for others. You know, lack of respect is not something that's taught. It's mostly caught. It's mostly caught. And in this day and age, it really is a big problem. But as Christians, we live counter to the culture. So we teach our children to respect people who are in authority. We teach our children to respect property. We teach our children to respect people who have a different skin color. We teach people to to respect those who speak a different language we teach our children how to treat their friends and how to treat the parents of their friends right okay no more next one's responsibility is there a sense of responsibility in your family i think healthy families instill that that sense of responsibility in each other taking responsibility And again, that that teaching of of taking basic responsibility is something that starts at home. It's amazing how you hear these stories of these big organizations and companies and things, and they struggle with some of these youngsters who come in. You know, they don't understand that they need to get to work on time. And then they've got to be counseled about that. You know, that it's important to answer the phone when the phone rings. Or, you know, reply to the email when the email, the text message, or whatever, you know. That if the customer calls, that you call the customer back, Right? And if you're supposed to be helpful and, and, and friendly to the customer, then you're helpful and friendly to the customer. You can't just leave the workplace without telling anybody where you're going or getting permission for that. Now, where do you think you learn those things? You learn those basic things in a family. How do you learn those things in a family? Being at the dinner table at dinner time? Making your bed? Tidying up your room? Doing your homework unpacking the dishwasher. That's how you learn those basic things. You see, you give your children an enormous gift in life when you give them the gift of taking responsibility. It really is an important thing. And you're not being too hard on them when you're teaching them to take responsibility. How's your bed looking this morning, Jude? I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he says it's good. because better than fun. <laughs> okay, here's my, here's my next question. Does your family play? Does your family play? I think this is such an important thing to be happening. It's an important family dynamic. You know, I think if families can do things together that they enjoy, whether it's camping or cycling or playing golf or going to a movie or taking a picnic lunch down to the zoo, you know, it's in those moments when you're playing together that it kind of takes the rough edges off the family. So often in a week or a month, you know what happens? You get those bumps and bruises just during the normal course of life in a, in a family. And so when you can play together, it's in that kind of situation where all that stuff that went wrong, you know, the hard feelings that you had, it's just kind of like it dissipates. It goes away because you're just like, hey, we're together. We're okay. We can, we can still play together. And so I want to encourage you, make sure that you're planning some fun together in your families. Don't, make, don't waste tomorrow. If you're not working tomorrow, it's a public holiday, and you've got nothing planned, go and have a picnic. Take a walk, go see what's going down on, on the beach. Do something, right? It's amazing how much of a healing agent that can be. All right, I better hurry up. Number nine, traditions. What are your family traditions? Do you think it's important to have some family traditions? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, and I think if those family traditions and rituals are, are embedded, what it's telling your family is that there's some certainty, there's some security, right? There's certain things that I can rely on that are going to be happening in this family. You know, things that we're going to do or things that are going to happen when we come together. So I, I think, you know, things like birthdays, they're a really big deal. Anniversaries, you know, there's so many things that we can build um, traditions in, into the life of our family. I mean, Christmas time. Christmas time is like, Something that's been in our family for years, like Christmas time has just been a special time, a special family time. And I love Christmas Day. It's been mostly a day for us four. um, And I'm quite happy with that because it's just a day where we bond together. Our families are on the other side of the globe. So, you know, it's a day where we just spend time together. And it normally starts at the beginning of December. Don't you? I love it. You know, turn on the lights, turn on the lights. I've taken to putting lights on my home and get the Christmas tree up, and you know, i got my Christmas playlist on my phone, it's still there, I keep adding Christmas, last Christmas, you know, and then it's Christmas day, you know, and, and and in recent years we've been doing a Christmas Eve service, so we head down to early morning swim, Malaloo, come on boys, get up, let's go, we have our early morning swim, we come back, you know, we it's a little bit of breakfast, and you know, it's Excitement and there's presents and there's unwrapping and there's paper everywhere, you know, and some Christmas uh, mince pies. Debbie's favourite, not mine. Yes, and 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 it's just time of enjoyment together. We put on the Christmas hats and and we just we just have a great time of you know family when we have we make a mid-afternoon meal and you know have have some good wine, or at least I do, and. Um, yeah, we just we just you, know, you have a swim after that, a little sleep, a movie, leftovers. What a great day. Maybe it's just me, but it's, I think it's a special family day. It's for me it's a tradition. I love it. Don't break my tradition and invite me to your house for Christmas. I'm happy <laughs> where I am. <laughs> so you gotta have some kind of you gotta have some kinds of traditions and, and, and establish those in your family. Last one, getting help. Will you get help if you need it? Will you get help if you need it? I don't think any family can hang a sign on the door of their house that says, nothing the matter here. There's something the matter in every family. The question is, will we acknowledge what the matter is? And if it's serious enough, will we get help? You know, if a father is falling down drunk every week, if a mother's always out with her friends, if the teenage daughter's in her bedroom and is clinically depressed, if the little boy's out killing the neighbor's cats, and you come to church, and you come through the door, and, and people say, how's it going? And you go, oh, we're good, we're good. It's all well, it's all well. Is it? Is it? Asking for help is not a sign of weakness. God has God gifted people who can help, counselors and specialists who are able to provide insight and counsel and wisdom for things that we don't always have the training for. And in, in this church community, we've got people who have those gifts. And so, families where there are addictions, you know, families where there have been affairs, family where there's been a whole lot of nonsense going on, can recover. They can recover. God is in the transformational business, He transforms lives. God can change your family. You know, even uh, if there have been disruptive elements happening in your family, God can take what was meant for evil and He can turn it around for good. What the evil one wanted to use for bad, God can take and He can turn that around. God, if, 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 if a human heart will let him, God will reshape that heart into something good. It's not beyond God. That's what God does. God can change families. And I want to tell you this morning, bad practices that have come through the line, of through the generations, do not have to be passed on to your family and further generations. You can break those generational curses in your family. There can come a time where you say, this stops here, no more. No more in Jesus' name. This is not going to reappear in my family. With God's help, the deception, the addiction, the lying, the lack of character, the stuff that has been in your family lineage, you can say it's not going any further in my era. With the help of God, it's not. Amen. So I hope and pray that, that as you leave today, you, you believe that God is capable of doing the impossible. That he can work for good in any family. And all we've got to do is just surrender to Him. We've just got to surrender to Him. Because I want to tell you this morning, having Christ at the center of your life, that's the best way to start fostering healthy family dynamics.